Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Download the top-rated ball sports app today for the latest odds on weekend GAA action and great money-back offers on every televised championship game. GAA betting with ball sports, bring it on. You're listening to The Throw-In, the GAA championship podcast on independence.ie. Hello, I'm Frank Roach, and on this week's show, it's set to be a full house in Croker on Saturday for the Mountwatering football quarterfinal doubleheader, with Mayo taking on Tyrone and Dublin against Donegal. Alan Brogan will be giving us thoughts on those games. Plus, we'll be discussing Crow Park's latest proposals on football championship reform. And in hurling, what chance of an upset as Waterford take on Kilkenny in Sunday's All-Ireland semi-final? John Milan will be joining us, and he reckons his native Dacia have a good chance of beating the Cats. Plus, Martin Brehany and Roy Curtis go head-to-head over the issue of pay-for-play and we'll take a look at some decent GAA bets with Liam Glynn from Boyle Sports. INAM GAA correspondents Dunica Boyle, Michael Verney and Conor McKeown are with me here in studio, as always. And Conor, let's start with the football. There's a real buzz of excitement about Saturday's doubleheader. It is probably, the f- for the first time this year, there is a bit of anticipation. L- looking forward to a football weekend. You know, we had a couple of shocks, obviously, Tipperary's wins over over Cork and over Galway but largely it's been it's been pretty pedestrian I think this year and um, we've had to get this far before we've had you know games that actually matter against teams that have designs on going all the way and I suppose that's what we have on Saturday night about Dublin I think there's probably of all the teams Dublin could have drawn in the quarter final Donegal are the one that sends a bit of a chill through the capital like it's just it's the nature of that simmering rivalry over the last few years even in league games have had between the two um, so yeah no, there is certainly a crackle of anticipation in the air I think this week Alan are you feeling nervous this week uh, you're not playing obviously anymore but you were there in 2014 yeah yeah I wouldn't say nervous but as Connor said there certainly just the games Donegal are the one team that, that that's going to have that ability to, to, to strike fear into into dubs now I think stemming from 2011 that, that game the shell shocked us all and then in 2014 when they and they kind of caught us by surprise and, and got the three goals against us. Um, so yeah, look, I think it's 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 certainly not a gimme for Dublin. Um, Duty Gall are, are, are going okay at the moment, and I think this is the game they'll certainly be looking forward to as well. And they have the players that can hurt Dublin if they play the game the right way, certainly. And do you think that trepidation in the capital is it partly predicated on on Donegal's reputation as much as as much as their form in recent weeks? 
Yeah, I think, like standing from Jimmy McGuinness again, they built this aura around them, and I think the players have continued it on in, in Rory Gallagher's reign, and they, they just kind of have this mystique about them that, that on their day they can beat anyone, they can they can shut any team out if 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 it, if they really want, and I think that's what that, that's what the Dubs would be afraid of, that this will come down to a, to a game, but it's a real stalemate, and obviously Dublin will want to play football, and Donegal have have the ability to stop them doing that. Michael? Uh, Alan, just looking at last weekend, probably Donegal probably didn't play as defensively against Cork as we would have been used to. Are you expecting them to go back ultra-defensive on Saturday and are you expecting some sort of curveball thrown in there from them as well? They're going to need something different probably to get over the line. Yeah, I think they will. I think like Rory Gallagher is a very shrewd operator and, and continuing again, this was in charge. He was obviously his, his, he was his right-hand man and whatever's happened between them since. But he's he had his fingerprints all over that team in 2011 and 2012 when they won the All-Ireland so I think they will be more defensive than, than they were against Cork I think they might have been holding something back a little bit in that game and could have got a couple of goals there certainly um, at stages in that game so I think they, they they certainly looked a little bit more open than they than they had been previously but I think on Saturday evening they will revert back into their, their really solid defensive structure and I think Dublin will find this will find it hard to break down they have to be very patient I just think on the Cork game, there was two very different games. If you look at the first half, Donegal actually moved up on Cork's kickouts and tried to contest them. Uh, and Cork got an awful lot of joy just from kicking long kickouts into midfield and trying to win, you know, two and every three breaks and, and open them up for another score. Second half, every time the ball went over the end line, every time um, Cork put the ball down for a kickout, Donegal evacuated the area. They went back right inside the, their own 65. And like the proof of it was in what the Cork score in the first half, one eleven, and I think four points in the second half. So, like when they did shut it down and they did force Cork to play the game on their terms, there was, I mean, there was no, there was only one winner, you know. And I know that Owen Cadigan got a bit of a, a bit of criticism for his performance on Paddy McBrearty, but like it wasn't even that he was winning, you know, forty, fifty yard passes out in front of him on his chest, turning and putting it over the bar. His movement within the kind of the wider Donegal movement was such that he was just really, really hard to mark. He was just getting balls on a wraparound. Uh, somebody else, one of the really smooth ball carriers, either Ryan or Owen McHugh, were making space for him. And like once he got it, like his snapshots were really, really good, but I'm not sure anybody could have marked him the last day. Interesting this week, Barry Cahill has said it, and uh, Jim said it, Jim Gavin said it yesterday morning too, that they're expecting something different from, from Donegal. Now, no one had went so far as to say what that might be. Um, I'm just wondering if Alan has any thoughts on it. Like, you know, people are talking about these twin towers thing. You know, they, they might put uh, Neil Gallagher isn't fit now, but they, they might throw in a couple of big men at the edge of the square. Like, I'm just wondering what could Rory possibly do that we haven't seen a version of already. Yeah, well, I certainly hope. Like, there's obviously there's a couple of question marks over Dublin for back line at the moment. I'm not sure. James McCarthy, we're told he's fit. Um, I'm not sure. Knowing James form, I'm not sure if he'll start him coming back from an injury like that. So. They're missing three all-stars in the back line, and I, think, like, I really think Rory Gallagher has to play Michael Murphy in there for a sustained period of time if they want if they want to win this match. I think Philly McMahon might be capable of doing a job, and Paddy McBrearty if he if he uh, if he's on form on Saturday evening. So I think they're they're going to need something special from Michael Murphy to win the match, and also probably from Ryan McHugh who's been going well. I think he's in the top two or three players in the country at the moment, and just watching him the last few weeks, as, as Connor said there, like his 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 ball carrying is unbelievable, and I think he. He has the ability to hurt Dublin as well, but I think starting off we'll see a very solid defensive structure from from Donegal. I don't think they'll want to concede early, and um, I think there could be shade in 2011 in the first half in, in this game on Saturday. Evening. Speaking of 2011, Alan, as a player, 
Can you give us an insight into what it was like when uh, the whistle went and Donegal set up as they did that day? Yeah, we knew they go defensive, but we had no idea they were going to go that defensive. And like like our performance in the first half, set it all. We were we were completely shell shocked by what happened. We couldn't get our heads around it on the field at all, and we really struggled with it. And um, Donegal had a chance. Conor Fadden had a chance straight after half time. He could have got a goal, and that would have put them four or five up. I think, and it could have been a long way back from us from there. But um, yeah, it was very strange. It was, it was, it was certainly the worst game I've ever played in, if not as a spectacle and as a player, if not the worst game that's ever been played. <laughs> and have you have you ever played in a game where where there were boos during the match, whatever about at the final whistle? I'm not sure to be honest with you. Like when you're playing, you're not really taking much notice of that. To be honest, you're trying to figure out what's going on. But it was, it was, it was hard to play against. There was no space at all. I remember having a couple of couple of half shots, and you were trying to get the shot off so quick before you got closed down. And um, look, I nearly did the job for them on the day. They've obviously refined their game since then, and they've added the, the really strong attacking element into it. But it was, uh, yeah, it was certainly a very, very strange game to play, and not one, certainly not one I hope to see on there. Uh, I hope to see on Saturday night. And do you think it was the makings of Dublin or was it a, just a case of it's a game we just have to get over somehow and move Yeah, on? I think it was I was talking about it during the week. I think it's a game we just had to win that game. Like I'd lost four four Ireland semi finals at that stage and there was a couple of lads in the same boat as me like say uh, Barry Cowell, Stephen Clux and Brian Cullen would would have been in the same boat. So we just had we didn't care how we won that game afterwards. We just had to get to an All Ireland final it didn't matter if it was high scoring or low scoring to us and we just, suppose we just etched it from our memories after we had to do a job that day and we got the job done. Connor, you just with regard to Saturday night, and Alan says the potential for the game to play out somewhat early on, like 2011. Like if Dublin, Dublin since 2014 are a much more patient team than they were then. They obviously, you know, tried to go over the top of Donegal and and it didn't work, and they were pressed up so high that they got cut out. But Dublin seemed to be pretty happy now to keep possession of the ball particularly they've got you know long range shooters and if they edge ahead early on I still don't see Donegal kind of coming out of their line to try and take the ball off them so you just wonder if, if it starts like that and Dublin go ahead and they're happy to keep possession around midfield in their own half back line and, and try and invite the press and the press doesn't actually come on from Donegal like we could be in for one of these really eerie kind of spectacles like I remember Dublin Derry in the league last year it was it was a, or Dublin down was it it was a similar game like that and you just wonder whether there's pockets of this match that's going to play out like ultimately while we all know that Donegal could keep Dublin to a low enough score you wonder could they do it while still getting a big enough score to win the game but you know there's going to be patches in this match where you know two teams are very much going to be kind of prodding each other trying to provoke a reaction and I don't know you know which team is going to go away from what they're set up to do in the first place I'm not sure Donegal are going to get their hands on enough ball to win the thing I think like they can hurt them they can do damage but I don't think they're going to have enough of the ball um, and if they are playing like a long ball in on top of Michael Murphy even if that's going well you're still are you going to get 6 out of 10 balls that go in and that's if it's going well you're not going to get absolutely everything yeah, but like you, you need a really high yield from from uh, from from your from that tactic. Like you know, and if they're not going to have a lot of ball, that means there's a lot of wastage. 
I just think they're going to struggle. It's funny because it's a tactic that they haven't played yet this year. And like everyone's talking about Murphy going in for forward. We haven't seen it. I don't know if we are going to see it either. And he doesn't look fit. He doesn't look as fit as he has been over the last couple of years. He looks like he's carrying some sort of he knock spent, as well. He spent I a bit of time in against there against Cork, it, didn't it's he? It's tailor-made for it now. It's tailor-made for it now because no more than people saying, well, Paddy McBrady didn't have a great year until now. Paddy McBrady was playing the Ulster Senior Football Championship until now. So we didn't see the ball. And I think Michael Murphy, it's almost a waste of Michael Murphy to employ him there in the Ulster Championship on the basis that back there he's not going to get a whole lot of room Dublin will give him more room like I mean even the modifications that Dublin have made since 2014 they're still only going to have maybe Keno Sullivan back there and whoever else is marking their men they're not going to have two banks of three and a sweeper in between the two of them so you know Alan was saying it in his column today in the Herald you know Murphy against a mass defence okay you know he mightn't get a whole lot but Murphy against two like he'll, he'll fancy those odds I'd say Alan, do you think part of the problem from a Donegal perspective here is that they don't trust their midfield uh, enough to actually keep Murphy inside, that they're, they're worried about what's going to happen if Murphy is isolated, waiting for ball to come and nothing happens? Yeah, possibly. But I think they have to throw a bit of caution to win like that if they want to win the game. And like, How much impact does Michael Murphy really have on out around the middle of the field at the moment? Like, I think... He'd be much better off you. Then maybe not for the whole game, but certainly for a period of time that he can get his hands on a few ball. And like Dublin will be happy to see Michael Murphy out around the field. They won't want him in around the square because they know they they know the damage he can do. And I think himself and himself and McBurkey and there is is a real handful. Like as Connor said, there Dublin will only have one extra man back there. They won't have three or four in front of them. So like I'd certainly fancy his chances to get his hands on ball and, and do some damage if he's kept in there. But if he's out. Running around the middle of the field, he's he, he's like you said there. He's probably not maybe as fit as he was a couple of years ago. So he hasn't got that. He hasn't got that engine to get up and down and to 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 do to do damage in the scoreboard unless he's playing in full forward. But look, just coming back. Look, I think this is the game that Dublin have been preparing for for probably the last two or three years. Like we've worked really hard over the last couple of years playing against blanket defenses, and I'm sure it's been no different this year that they've they've. Um, They've been practicing for this game, and like they will be patient. And if you remember in the Mead game, they just wound down the clock in the last ten or fifteen minutes because Mead Mead didn't come out. Dublin were happy just to take the ten point win, and they didn't want to do any more damage. So I think we could see periods on we could see periods on uh, Saturday evening where where it's uh, where it's a bit of a stalemate, and Dublin are playing around with the ball trying to entice Dudley Gall out. Just on Ryan McHugh because like he is probably he is absolutely the most effective player in the championship this year for Tony Gall. He comes from such a distance back. Like, what do you do about him? Because he's he, like he's such a creative weapon, uh, and he's added kind of point scoring to his repertoire as well. Like, you don't have, you're not going to tell Dermot Connolly or Paul Flynn or Karen Kenny to follow him all the way back. So, is it, is it is it up to whoever is in the zone or whatever it might be at the defence that he occupies to take him on, or or what do you do? Because you, you know, I've I've seen. I've seen him being man marked, and you see people going in trying to tackle him hard, and he'll just blow them off with a with a with a change of direction or burst the pace. And you've seen people just running alongside him, um, shadowing him all the way. And I'm not sure, you know, which one of them actually is the more effective. Probably a couple of options there. He might he might detail some of the marking wherever he goes, and or when he comes inside the 65 to pick him up. But like as you say, he comes from deep, so he creates overlaps. In his own in his own half back line, so I think like he's that important for Donegal. I think Jim Gavin might earmark somebody to mark him wherever he goes. 
Okay, great stuff, Alan. Listen, and he, is that, he is that dangerous too. I think he he, he he is the top player in the championship at the moment. And not just in the Donegal team, I think he's been really, really effective. He's really developed in the last couple of years, so he's one that certainly take watch. Great stuff. Just in a word, Alan, um, is it Dublin or Donegal for you? Dublin by four. Lovely stuff. Listen, thanks a million for joining us there uh, on the Troyan. Moving on now to a little uh, chat about the other game we've almost forgotten about, which is Mayo Tyrone at four o'clock in Crow Park on Saturday. Donica, have you any view on this? As Mayo have meandered their way to the yeah, last eight, I think Mayo are going to have to do something they haven't showed, haven't show a level of form they haven't showed so far this year. Um, I think they've all very disappointed with the Galway game, and since that they've played in patches uh, only. Now it's good enough to blow Kildare away I think it was maybe 20 minutes against Kildare and they were, they were much too good there was bits and pieces um, the last day against Westmead although heading late into the game it wasn't exactly cut and dried um, so they're going to have to be much much better than they have been to now the only thing is that of course they're capable of it But can you turn it on in a week because I mean we're, we're, we're looking and hoping and presuming that Mayo of last year and the year before are going to turn well, up. They can't have any shortage of motivation. Like you know, they've they've they had the winter they had. They got rid of their manager. They haven't been uh, they haven't been going particularly well. They've taken a few bullets from various people for bits and pieces, um, and some of their better players aren't and, aren't and playing up to their usual levels. So I think they're there just has to be a kick in them from their point of view. There just has to be something in them. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like They have played well in fits and starts in different games. The second half against Fermanagh, the first few minutes against Westmead as well. If they can put this 25 minutes and put this together into an hour and 70 minutes, I think they have a great chance. Like The opportunity is knocking for them big time. Like Beat Tyrone, realistically, with due respect to, to Tipperary, they're probably going to be in an All-Ireland final. It's a massive opportunity. It's exactly where they wanted to be. There's no excuses for them on Saturday evening now. This is the perfect scenario for them. Realistically, I would win one game and they have a brilliant chance of being back exactly where they wanted to be after all the turmoil all the hardship this is what they planned for at the start of the year they planned to be in this situation they planned to be peaking in August and September and God you'd be expecting something big on Saturday from them just to produce this half an hour that they have to put it into a full performance and I expect I think they will You'd be more assured to own though like if you yeah. were to sit down and do the sums and I know that football matches aren't won on pieces of paper but if you're to sit down and do the sums like first of all Toronto have been incredibly good they've been tested every which way going all the way through the Ulster Championship they've come over every single test that we've seen of them uh, their system very clearly works it works against under the harshest of pressure they have players like, and, and we'll go back to it again but the points that the lads scored Sean Cavan and Peter Hart like that's just exceptional footballers doing exceptional things in the most pressurised situations their young players are settling perfectly in the team in Cahill McCarran they have a brilliant brilliant man marker like I mean that's going to be a really interesting one between himself and uh, Killian O'Connor their mobility for Crow Park and they've been through like a lot of them have, have gone through this before like you're not looking at uh, Monaghan you know to be fair to them after winning their two Ulster titles they didn't show up in Crow Park and Grey Fettle um, you know they they pretty much failed they flopped once they got up there but you know between Mickey Hart and Sean Cavanagh and just Tyrone generally like this is really where it's all building towards I'm sure they put an awful lot of stock in winning Ulster but as a football team they look built for Crow Park uh, they have the experience and they, there is a kind of a Tyrone confidence that's come from a decade of being a really top footballing force that does look like it's transferred its way onto these players and a lot of them have won underage as well I think 
well, you wouldn't be surprised. Like Mayo obviously have some of the best footballers in the country and a lot of experience. Still think you could be sure about Tyrone if you're if you're kind of adding it all up. Yeah, you're still talking about potential with Mayo, isn't it? Like potentially it's there. We know that there were within uh, a kick of of an All Ireland a couple of times. Um, with with Tyrone, you do think that they will deliver a certain level of performance. Even the game they drew against Cavan like this even, year, they were the better team. Even like. the stuff that they haven't been great against in the last few years, or great with in the last few years. Like, do we know for definite that Mayo won't ship goals in big matches against top teams? We don't know that yet. Um, do we know for definite that Tyrone are going to get goals? They haven't got goals in Crow Park in big games in the last. Yeah, they'll open them up. Years. They'll open them up for scores even when they were up in the league. Like they, 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 their movement or the use of the ball in the final third of the pitch, it almost looks set piece. Like it's really, really well drilled. Now they mightn't get goals, but they have some really good point scores. They could score twenty one, twenty two points. And the other thing about Mayo is, and it's a hard thing to harp on about, but in the biggest games against the biggest teams under the biggest of pressure, their forwards outside of Killian O'Connor and Andy Moran on his day haven't always made the best decisions uh, and haven't always been the most prolific and this is going to be very, very very tough for them to score. To there's no one better than Tyrone to squeeze the life out of yeah, squeeze absolutely. a bit of hope out of corner forwards. You know, they're, they're going to have to be, the inside forwards from here are going to have to be so patient and so efficient that when they get their chance they're going to have to take whatever comes their way and not be panicked into some wild shooting as they can sometimes, you know. Um, that's going to be vital for them. If I just think this is Taylor, I think this is the exact sort of game that Mayo do produce in. Not the finals. I think this is the sort of game to produce in and expecting something big on Saturday. So I take it from that, it sounds like, Donica, you're saying... I think Tyrone will win with a little bit to spare. Connor? Yeah, I'm going with that. Mayo, Thanks, goals. Two or three goals. All right, we'll hold you to account next week. Uh, moving from there to uh, today's announcement from Crow Park of a proposal to reform the uh, All-Ireland Senior Football Championship. Uh, it's the brainchild of Porig Duffy. And uh, basically, the, the the main point of it seems to be that instead of ha- having All Ireland quarterfinals, the eight teams who advance there would uh, form into two groups of four, play three matches, and the top two from each group would then advance to an All Ireland semi final. Donica, have you any view on what's behind this? Well, I suppose in in theory, it gives you more top quality games. The last eight teams stand in the championship. Yeah, you get uh, they will all play off against each other. Um, then that will obviously sell more tickets because there's more big games and it will make any television package easier to sell on the basis that um, there are these high-profile matches. The other side of it is, when is this going to be squeezed into the calendar? I know they're saying in the announcement that they have uh, they have released or they've squeezed this in, but let's say your county, if you're a club player, again, and it's not designed to help the club player, but it does have genuine knock-on effects. Um, if you're a club player and these, these round-robin games start that month is written off for you. So if the, even if it's brought back a bit, there's two weeks in July and two weeks in August that you will not see any action at all as a, as a club player. So it's there, there's not enough space in the calendar. We all know this, but I'm just I'm not sure what problem this solves. Well, the, the problem that it solves are during the league, particularly towards the back end of the league, when the, when the good teams in Division 1 are getting their act together and playing well and people say... This is brilliant when it's a Mayo against a Tyrone or a Dublin against a Kerry and people say, we're going to have to wait another four or five months before we see a match like this against two top teams going hammer and tongs against each other. So this increases the number of games that we see against the best teams. It also makes it fairer for a t- for teams from, say, Ulster, being the classic example, they will have to win. OK, the provincial championship will still be harder. But when they get to that two group of four thing, Dublin and Kerry can't, 
just get to an All-Ireland quarter-final by virtue of the fact that they waltzed their way through their provinces. So the fairness issue and the fact that there's not enough big games against the top teams, that's the two problems that it solves. But well, I, do- I, I won't go for this fairness crack at all. This is another case of the richer getting richer and the poorer getting poorer. Like The top eight teams are going to get better and get more and more competitive games and develop and get a chance to develop more players. The teams outside of the, the top eight are going to get less games and less opportunities to do this. And I don't know where the club player comes in in this. Just from chatting to Dunica beforehand as well, if your team is in, we'll say, between maybe 16 and 9, ranked between 9 and 16, you're almost not going to want your county to qualify for the last day because you're not going to play club action probably until September as well. This is a disaster of a setup for yeah, all those... To all not those sure it's a disaster now. I'm not sure it's a disaster, but I do, I, I do think... it doesn't make it any better. When I said fair, what I mean is fair with regard to the All-Ireland contenders. I'm not saying it's across the board fair to every team in Ireland. When It, it will mean that... Roughly speaking, Dublin and Kerry would have to go through a similar process, a similar level of difficulty to get to an All-Ireland quarter-final or semi-final as a Tyrone would. That's what I mean by fair. But, like, you know, part of when people bemoan the fact previous to this that there wasn't the same, there wasn't a great number of high-profile games, what they sort of meant was, what the unsaid thing was, in lieu of all the drops that goes on very early in the championship, in, in lieu of all the bad games and the poorly attended games and the low quality games of football. And this is going to throw them all together. And in terms of the club player, there is absolutely no doubt the club player will suffer as a result of this. But you're going to still have the dross in May, June. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not saying I'm unanimously in favour of it, but I can see what it's geared up to do. Now, so if, it's if hard I to get were... past the fact that, that, that it does... It does, it's going to generate a lot more money. Yeah, it's hard to look past that, yeah, yeah. you know, and, you know, it'll be dressed up in a million ways, but that it, they have to, you would imagine that that was high on the list when well, they were drawn up this plan. We are currently, going into this weekend, we have four more football days in Crow Park, if you know what I mean. One All-Ireland quarter-final day, two semi-finals days, and one All-Ireland final day. And we've yet to have, have one day in the championship where we can all say, that was brilliant, that was great football, and all the rest of it. Like, and it has been the case in the last couple of years, um, like the the Mayo uh, Kerry two game the, where this replay was in uh, Limerick a couple of years ago we had to wait until then to get a decent game same thing with Dublin Mayo last year so like if you want to sell the championship and you want to sell you know the best exponents of the thing it's probably a good thing from that point of view but it's like you know you're making this thing the inter-county championship even bigger again it's it's you know okay the start point and the end point mightn't be changed in any way uh, and I think they're talking about playing the two All-Ireland semi-finals in the same weekend as well to try and condense it slightly. But like the inconvenience to everybody else that's beneath that, and in this case the club player, is probably increased. Do you think the fact that there's a new TV deal in the offing might have anything to do with so. this? And falling attendances as well. Like I mean, falling attendances is one of these easy Monday morning stories that you know we all kind of dredge up. But this year it's particularly prominent because, uh, you know, the standard of, despite what anybody says, this the standard of entertainment has not been good for a long time in your common or garden championship match. Like if you were, if you were half arsed to go to a match, if you weren't that much into your county team, if you went occasionally, you'd be probably less inclined to go now than you would have been a few years ago. But surely the people from Tip and Clare and would say, well, hold on, we've a great summers here. They would, I know, but what's rare is wonderful. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think you can use that as an argument against it. Right. Uh, do, you, do any of you think this will pass? I presume it has to go to Congress. Well, you, you, you imagine that they haven't gone away and come up with this without having some sort of. I know it's going. Is it gone to or it's going to Central Council? It's gone to Central Council already, and obviously it got a certain amount of support there. So 
I think Crow Park generally don't think to take things that they think will blow up in their face. So obviously they think they have a certain amount of support for it, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Congress is the strangest place in the world. Like. It, it's a, it, I, I would admire the GAA insofar as it's a proactive approach to changing it because their previous idea that throw it open to everybody to put an idea and we'll throw them all up to Congress, they have to have known that that would fail given the nature of GAA democracy. And it was up to the GAA hierarchy in this case, Park Duffy and Aegon O'Farrell, to actually lead from the front, if they did want change, if they do want change in the championship, and they've clearly stated today that they do, but I'm just not sure that this is maybe the best form of change. Well, it, there's no, there's no, sort of sense that no one's really grasping the nettle here, isn't there? Like, you know, I think a lot of people are going towards the idea that the provinces are just gone, like, a, as, as a notion, like, they the don't necessarily work in the way that we hoped it would particularly with the qualifiers. Yeah, and this will this will further dilute the whole provincial championships as well, totally. Like. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose the point is that maybe we need to look at something away from the provinces and this is sort of one small step in that direction where you are diluting the importance of the thing and then maybe in 15, 20 years' time we'll go again. Yeah, we'll but go ultimately, again. Like, okay. we'll still have an All-Ireland champion and it'll still be you know one of the few who are going to win it anyway. So it's just whether getting to that, pro- getting to that end point is any more entertainable or sustainable for the GAA getting worried that they're weeding out I think it's the the lower teams are becoming less and less important now at the moment this, it's all based on the last date now they, like I know they came up with some ideas last year to try and come up with a second tier but something has to be explored to give those teams more incentive to keep playing or otherwise we're just going to be left with but, but it's the GAA's defence like in fairness they they've tried to give them B championships we're short of going around and saying to counties you know here's a whole load of new players like you know like it's incumbent upon counties to get their act together to get to that level like I mean it's you know, we were having this conversation five minutes before we came down to record this podcast. Like, in some cases, there are teams that aren't good, like, and they're going to suffer from the fact that they're not good. And if they want to get better, or if they want to enjoy the perks of going further in the championship, they're just going to have to improve with the thing. And it's harder for some counties to improve. That's a fact. And a lot of them throw, turn their nose up at the notion of a B championship. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? They just can't. Like, they will not accept that that might be their place in the world. Whether it's an avenue to the that. latter stages or something, there's going to have to be something, some sort of avenue I, or some incentive. I think it's fair to summarise that we're not going to solve this conundrum uh, here might. today. What? But we have. <laughs> we're getting we? there. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Still to come, we have Martin Brehany and Roy Curtis going head to head over the issue of pay for play, while Boyle Sports' Liam Glynn will be giving us some betting tips for the weekend games. Ball Sports will refund all losing in play bets if the last score of your televised championship match is a goal. Download the Ball Sports app or get in store today for full details. GAA betting with Ball Sports, bring it on. Moving on to the hurling now, and John Milan is going to join us for a discussion on Sunday's Mountwater in All Ireland semi final between Kilkenny and his native Waterford. John, what chance of an ambush here? Yeah, um, why not? Uh, I suppose, look. I suppose over the course of the last couple of days, I've I've watched uh, a rerun of last year's uh, semi final, um, and I suppose after watching the semi final, I've I've got renewed hope that that Waterford could pull off the unthinkable and against all the odds, um, could win this game. There, there is a sense of that Kilkenny are maybe at their least vulnerable in all Ireland semi finals. They have a fantastic record at this stage. Yeah, that's a hundred percent right. Um, I suppose. You have to go all the way back to 2005 uh, when they last lost, uh, last were defeated in, in an All Ireland semi final, and that was the Galway. And they have an incredible record. I think they've won uh, the last nine or, or, or ten All Ireland semi finals. 
Um, so look, you know, we all know Kilkenny uh, in a semi-final. They're nearly as hard to beat in a semi-final as they are in a, in a final. Uh, it's a formidable record. Um, but look, you know, I think Waterford have, have absolutely nothing to fear. Um, there's nothing to lose up here but a whole lot to gain uh, in Sunday's match. And, and, and from obviously living down there and talking to people on a on a daily basis, do you think Waterford are fully over the the shock of what happened to them in the Munster final a month ago? Well, look, I suppose the only the only answer you'll get to that is is come, come Sunday. But I think you know they've they've had the luxury of of the under twenty one championship, um, and they had the luxury then of, of playing Wexford uh, and winning the Wexford game um, quite comfortably. So you'd like to think that there's an awful lot of uh, that defeat is is well flushed out of the system by now, and that uh, confidence has been renewed. Um, but again, you know, we we won't know the answer to that um, until five o'clock on, come Sunday. Michael is going to come in here. John, I suppose it's a different position for Waterford now. There would have been a fair bit of optimism coming into the start of the year, and even going into the semi-final last year. Like given the Munster final defeat. There's not as much pressure on these guys now. They can probably go out and express themselves a bit more than maybe they would have a couple of months ago. Yeah, I I I'd, I'd fully agree with you on that. Uh, I suppose you know going into the Munster final, and um, there's an awful lot of hype. Uh, you know there was massive expectation that the Waterford were going to win win that game, and um, myself included. I probably got a bit carried away myself that I thought you know that we'd, we'd win the game by by three or four points. Um, on the flip side of that, it seems to be the opposite this this time. Um, Waterford supporters are, are going up to Crow Park uh, more so in 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 hope um, rather than expectation. And I think even 12 months ago, you know, you, you go back to 12 months ago, I think Waterford people were were, were nearly convinced that we were going to be Kilkenny um, uh, 12 months ago. But you know, I think it's it's an ideal situation for for an awful lot of the players uh, going into this this fixture. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing expected of them, um, and there's there's no pressure, and those those are um, that's that's an ideal scenario um, when you are going in facing the champions. It's John, been extraordinarily John, low sorry, key, sorry. hasn't it? Like the build up to this game, I just um, I don't know whether it's because the football's a sellout on Saturday night, or but it's an all Ireland semi final, and it just seems to be there's the interest in it seems to be a little bit lukewarm. Maybe it's because Kilkenny or the win so much, the win so often that there's very little left to say or something but it does seem to me it's very A little bit of the buzz was taken out of the whole Waterford thing like it looked like they were building towards winning the Munster final it looked like they were building towards beating Tipperary and I suppose they were so badly exposed and even the last I don't know what John thought but um, like they obviously beat Wexford very easily but they had so many wides they, they, like you just wonder that day had they been on the far side of the draw had they been facing a, a Clare or Galway whether they'd been a bit more vulnerable to losing that quarter final John what's your take on that? Yeah, I'd fully agree. Um, I think it was it was the ideal draw for him. Uh, no disrespect uh, to Wexford, uh, but I think you know if they if they came up against a, a Clare or Galway the last day, um, you know we've seen how good Galway are the last day. I don't I, I don't think Waterford gave the complete performance uh, against Wexford. I think they they done what they had to do against Wexford. But you know going back to uh, you know the hype um, and the build up to this game, it, it kind of would be reminiscent of of. 2008, you know, where we came in under the radar, uh, we beat Wexford in, in a quarter final, we gave a real power performance against Wexford, uh, and then we came up um, against Tipperary, who were raging hot favourites in 2008. Uh, the day before that game, I remember well, Tyrone were playing Dublin in a sellout, uh, sellout crowd, um, and we went into it, you know, fully confident, 
and that we could overturn Tipperary. So, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, lightning might strike twice um, eight years later, but, you know, we're not getting carried away. We, we know we've a formidable task. Uh, Waterford have a formidable task. It's, it's all 57 years since we've, we've last defeated um, Kilkenny. And you're just hoping that, you know, that that, that might come to an end um, uh, this Sunday at five o'clock. John, linked with all the all those talk of all the wides against Wexford the last day has been the ongoing debate about the Waterford system. And, and a lot of those wides have been blamed on the fact that players are taking pot shots, you know, low percentage efforts from, from midfield. I mean, Derek McGrath is highly unlikely to change his system at this late stage, but do you think he definitely needs to tweak it if they are to be Kilkenny? Well, look, I, I know Derek McGrath uh, very well, um, and I'm trying to think to myself all week what would his way of thinking be, and I don't think he's gonna, I don't think he's gonna, he's gonna come under the pressure. He's gonna um, budge to the pressure that it, the public pressure, um, both in the county and across the country, that you know Warford should go all out. Um, I think he's got to be very sceptical early on. That you know, I think he will keep it tight early on. Um, I think it's it's. It's 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 very important that Waterford don't concede any goals early on. I think the way he will be looking at it, if they, if they can concede anything under two goals, and um, they will have a cracking chance of winning this game. But for me, you know, I think you know if Waterford were to go all out, there is there is a high possibility that they could concede um, two or more goals. And you know the, the way he is possibly thinking, if they concede two. Are more goals on Sunday. It makes the task uh, very hard for Waterford to overcome Kilkenny. So I think he will employ uh, the same system. I think he will go along the same lines as he did last year. I think he'll try and keep it tight early on. Um, and, you know, last year, Barrett T.J. Reid's uh, mistake early on, which was which was basically what separated these teams in around the 55, 56-minute mark. Um, you know, there was very little to separate Waterford and Kilkenny last year and I think you know he will be dwelling on that and I think he will go along the same lines um, come Sunday uh, with the same system yeah, It makes make sense as well because I think Tyke Deborka the way he plays and the position that he plays and the sort of ball that he cuts out that's you know traditionally Kilkenny's primary their, their first source of goals long ball into a forward line they're all have to win their own ball and if he if he even prevents you know them going that option 30-40% of the time if he makes them run the ball a bit more from midfield I think that's a good idea to do. Like you even look if you're looking at John Joe Farrell at the moment, like a Kenny success story this summer, even his goal the last day, um and even the goal that he scored against Dublin uh in the first round, like he's he's kind of he's kind of driving off a bit of loose ball back there. And they're not the sort of scores that Waterford's defence are gonna give up very easily, you know. But I suppose like Richie Hogan's gonna come back into the team now as well and leave Brian Cody with a bit of a dilemma here, like will he drop on Larkin, who's obviously somebody who's given him a huge amount um, in the last ten years, or will he drop Colin Fenley because like it doesn't look like John Joe Farrell's gonna, you know, I mean he's scored two nine from playing two championship matches so far, so I mean there's no way he's not gonna start in the team on Sunday. John, just in terms of the the sweeper system though, there was there was a total malfunction against Waterford when Tipperary went aerial that day. Was, was that a blip, or is it something that Kilkenny might try to target as well? No, and that's that's the one worry that that I would have uh, Sunday with the system, and um, you know that you know if Kilkenny do decide to go along and they do decide to plant probably Walter Welch or possibly TJ Reid inside, and um, you know that could pose Waterford Waterford massive problems, 
um, and it's something that Tipperary um, looked at over the course of the last couple of months and you know they, they really went all out and, and really targeted um, tied the boat the last day uh, but I, I just think you know I just think you really have to put uh, the months of final down to just a, a bad day at the office uh, I think Waterford have outside of that uh, months of final defeat I think they've looked comfortable um, with this system all year I think it's a system that Kilkenny uh, over the years are not comfortable uh, against playing. Uh, you know, you go back to 2013 when they played Dublin. Uh, Dublin played a sweeper system. Dublin defeated them the same day. Uh, Galway in 2012 in the Leinster final, they went with a two-man full forward line. They brought Damien Hayes out around as a third midfielder. Um, and, you know, we've seen this year, albeit in the league semi-final, Clare, uh, you know, had a, had a, had a sweeper. Um, and they went with it with a two-man full four lane with a big man inside with John Conlon. So it is a system that you know, you know that they they're not comfortable playing against. And I think Walford, you know, I think Derek McGrath and and this, this Walford team will stick to their guns and, and they'll see where it takes them. Uh, ho- hopefully this Sunday. Great stuff, John. So in three words, is it yes we can or no we won't? Oh well, look, you know, I think I've got to go with my Walford cap on here. I mean, if I, if I don't believe. We can't win it, or any of the supporters don't believe we, we can win it. So what's the point going up there? And you know, and that will feed in and the players. So I always believe we 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 can we can beat Kilkenny, and I firmly believe if if the lads bring their A game to the table, and um, you know if they bring the same energy that they brought um, throughout the course of the year, bar the months of final, I, I think we're we're winning with a reasonably good chance of winning this game. Great stuff, John. Thanks for joining us on the throw-in this week. Anyway, moving swiftly along, we're going to be talking GA betting in a few minutes. But first, we've Martin Brettany and Roy Curtis going head-to-head on the big GA topics each week. And today, it's the thorny issue of pay-for-play, with Roy arguing against. I don't think it will, because I don't think it can. Earlier in the summer, there was a stark warning from rugby. Munster was £6 million in debt and couldn't pay um, those debts. This is rugby with four teams as opposed to 30. This is rugby with an international dimension. This is rugby that has World Cups that can tap into France and England. They can't do it. And they've proven now that they're in trouble. I think it would be the death knell. And that's before we go into volunteerism and what it would mean for that. Before you go into free movement of labour, which is an inevitability of professionalism, which would mean transfers. I think on all counts, it would be disastrous and it won't happen. Roy makes a lot of good points, and all of which are many of which are true. But the difficulty is that we're on a an irreversible slide here. We can't it can't be stopped. I think this is the the, the issue going back to the deals with the GPA uh, in the early days when we had uh, disputes between the, them and Crowback. Now they're all on the one side, so to speak, working out deals. It cannot be stopped. It's, it's gone. The latest deal involves the GPA getting some of the um, commercial side of a share of that. So that's the next step. I just think it can't be stopped. And that doesn't mean that the GPA or the leaders of the GPA are sitting there plotting and planning to have uh, pay for play. But there's there's a drive on. It's coming It's coming all the time. It's coming as part of society. And I don't think it can be stopped. There is, there is an inevitable slide towards reward. And where we are now would have been unthinkable as little as 10 years ago. I just think the numerics, we have, we're a population of 5 million. A county like Leithram with 25,000 people, if you look at the qualifier attendances, I just don't think, I accept that money is being given and the players are being looked after very well. We're now at 10% of GAA revenue the GPA are in receipt of. 
I don't see how it can go much higher than that without the whole thing imploding. I, I, unfortunately, it won't happen in a, in a structured, organised way. It could be a piecemeal way here. And this is, the, this is the difficulty, that we already see players from the top counties making a lot, a lot, uh, quite a lot of money out of the GA through their endorsements and their wheeled out money overnight for, for interviews on behalf of companies. They're doing that. And the, Leitrim, the players from Leitrim and whatever are not getting it. But th- this won't be structured or organised. It wasn't even in rugby. It never is. But how you stop it, I do not know. I don't think you can stop it. Because I think the GA took in £55 million last year. Uh, the overall receipt was £55 million. Now, that's just a phenomenal amount of money. Their players will see that. And it'll, it'll, it'll almost creep up. And it is creeping up already. If they've done a deal now, will the next deal be more? And it mightn't be called pay-for-play in the next five, ten years. But you think, Roy, the difference in the last 15 years? 15 years' time pay-for-play, will, I think will, it will be just straightforward pay-for-play then. We are, we are seeing incremental steps towards it. There's no question about that. But £55 million in total revenue, divide that by 30, and you're down to one-point-something million per team um, for a year to, to support a professional environment. I think the only way it will happen is if you became a GAA of six counties, of eight counties. I just don't think this, the week will survive if... if it inevitably goes that way. They may not be surviving already. I mean, I just don't... How, how do you stop it? Because how? what next? If, if, if this pressure comes where, where, and, and players are pushing, pushing all the time, where do you, how, how do you stop it? And that's the question. Because it, it, it's actually impossible to stop in a way because if, if the players keep pushing for it, they have the ultimate sanction, say, we won't play, we won't fill Crow Park, we're the guys filling it. What happens then? It's, it, it's, it's very much in the back of the scene at the moment. It may well down the road, but it will come. If, if there's that pressure on and if it's inevitable, maybe the dam will burst. But if the dam bursts everything beneath it will be drowned. Well, I think what will happen will be that it's, it's, it, it, it will burst and there will, be, there will be floods. But I think the floods can be, will be contained afterwards. I, cannot, I just cannot see a situation where, on the one hand, the GA are making so much money, on the other hand, the players are, are not getting any of it. I think those days are gone. It's, 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 uh, it's, it won't happen next year, the year after, but it will happen, I have no doubt. Donica, I'm going to ask you to be judge and jury on that uh, debate over pay-for-play. Were you won by Roy's argument against or Martin's argument for... They're um, two impressive men that, that they find something to fall out about every week. So um, I, I'm not going to get in the middle of them. Right. OK, we're just going to have to lift Dunica off the fence here, I Jeez, think, as we right, speak. What was the point of that? <laughs> well, who, you, it depends on who you run into first and then you get in the ear again. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I haven't got time for that. That's a bit of a botched job now. That's a bit of that's a bit fair play replay, is it? Liam, I won't ask you uh, to settle this argument, but I will ask you uh, about uh, the best bets going this weekend. Um, we haven't been too successful today to trying to take money off you, but uh, where is the money going this weekend in the hurling and football matches? Well, Saturday, you have your two football qualifiers, um, Tyrone and Mayo. Uh, Tyrone, they're now four to six from four to five, so we're seeing plenty of support uh, for Tyrone to defeat Mayo. I think Mayo might be a bit of value at um, 13 to eight, despite being eased out from six to four. The draw is at 15 to two. The handicap in this is uh, not a big handicap. It's only two points. Tyrone minus two. It's now six to five from seven to five, and Mayo plus two, just shading odds on at five to six. But I think Mayo are a bit of value at 13 to eight. Um, they're progressing every match they played. I know Westmead got them down to three points, but Westmead threw away that match in the first half. And I think uh, Mayo are improving every game they play. And I think they will put it up to Tyrone. And I think for a bit of value at 13 to 8, they look a decent bet this weekend, despite all the money coming for Tyrone. And then the second match is Dublin versus Donegal. Dublin, they're red hot. They're now 1 to 6 from 1 to 5. A draw at 14 to 1. And Donegal at 5 to 1. I just don't think this is going to be as easy as uh, it looks on paper for Dublin. I think uh, Donegal will cover the handicap. and. There's a nice handicap there, Donegal plus six, um, and that's now five to six. I think Donegal plus six points at five to six is a good bet for that. Dublin minus six at six to five. But um, Mayo really are the bet for me on Saturday anyway. 
And then on uh, the hurling on Sunday? Yeah, the hurling on Sunday, um, another odds on Kilkenny at 2-7. to seven. We've eased Kilkenny a little bit from 1-4, to four, draw at 11-1. The money is coming in for Waterford, a bit of shrewd support coming in, in the last 24 hours. They're now 130 from 7-2. to two. We see a handicap of five points on this uh, lads. Waterford plus five at evens and Kilkenny minus five at evens. So take your pick there. I think um, it won't be as easy either for Kilkenny. I think Waterford will cover the five-point handicap and Waterford plus five looks a bit of value there. In the outright betting for the All-Ireland is currently Kilkenny five to four, Tipperary 11 to eight, Galway 13 to two and Waterford at 15 to two. Anybody that fancies Waterford take that 15 to two now because they'll be, they'll be, they'll be probably favoured if they can manage to uh, get over the cast at the weekend. But as I said, uh, Waterford plus five, um, a bit of value there at even money. Great stuff. Now we're moving on to our weekly €50 Euro charity bet. And uh, I'm going to ask Michael to uh, tell us where we're putting our hard-earned money this week. Yeah, uh, similar to Liam there as well. I think Mayo are good value at 13 to 8. Um, just they seem to deliver at this stage of the championship every year. So 13 to 8 is a decent price there. Um, we take Kilkenny minus 4 on Sunday against Waterford. Probably, I think, they'd have five or six points too good for Waterford, I'd imagine. And Dun- Dublin and Donegal, we're expecting it to be a small bit tighter than maybe most people are expecting. And we're taking Donegal in the handicap plus six. So it's a treble of Kilkenny minus four, Donegal plus six, and Mayo straight to beat Tyrone. Liam, what, uh, what price can you give us on that? Well, it's currently just working out at just under uh, eight and a half to one. So I'm going to be very generous. You got me in a good mood today. I'm going to boost out to ten to one for you. Very good. A generous and bookie, my God. <laughs> uh, your own money, where's it going? Yeah, um, I agree with Michael. I fancy Mayo to uh, see past Tyrone. I think they're a value at 13 to 8, and I can actually see uh, punters getting stuck into that 13 day prior to kickoff on Saturday. So it's Mayo to beat uh, Tyrone. I'm going for Donegal plus 5 in the handicap betting, and Walford plus 5, and that's currently working out at 11 to 1. That's my bet for the weekend. Very good. Well, one of us uh, needs to deliver this weekend. We're under big pressure. Uh, thanks a million, Liam, for joining us and we'll chat to you again next week. No worries. Thanks a million, lads. Lovely. That's it from the throw-in this week. My thanks to Alan Brogan, John Milan, Liam Glynn, Donica Boyle, Michael Verney and Conor McKeown. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and we'll be back next Thursday for more from the Championship. Ball Sports will refund all losing in play bets if the last score of your televised championship match is a goal. Download the Ball Sports app or get in store today for full details. GAA betting with Ball Sports, bring it on.